lived in nice country area, but I always thought there was more to life than England. So right. I was in Czech languages and I saw it as a, I guess, a passport to working overseas at some stage. I want to thank you for taking the time to come here this morning. We've been neighbors for how many years now? How long have you been? Quite a few years, three years, four years. Well, that's not just it's a couple of years. I thought you'd been over here longer. Tokyo, right. Tokyo American Club neighbors for a while. We've been there for a long time because you joined the club when? Uh, the latest I joined was 2003. The first time? 2006, sorry, and okay. came back in 2003. First time was 91. 91. Um, and, oh, actually, I arrived in 91. I joined in the beginning of 93. Okay. And then I left Japan in the middle of 96. Went to Hong Kong for two years, and then Taiwan for five years. Where were you born? Born in Sussex in the UK, south of England. Okay. And you stayed there until... Uh, I stayed there until I was eight, then we moved to the East Coast um, and near a town called Colchester. I went to school there um, and then I went to London, went to University in London. Worked in London for a few years and then I got sent overseas and my first overseas post in was Bahamas. That's not bad. That's not bad. Yeah, no. hardship posted. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wanted to see, said I'll take it. Of course, um, and from Bahamas to Tokyo, which was kind of from heaven to hell uh, initially. <laughs> really? <laughs> from well, yes, from a beach paradise to oh, Shibuya, right, right, learning, right. trying to learn Japanese, that's and right, trying right. to get Japanese into my head. When you were growing up, you're the you just told me you're the youngest. You're yeah, with, I got an older brother, right. and I've got a stepsister, stepsister from my father's second marriage. Right, right, and my um. Condolences, as you said, your father passed recently. He passed um, end of last year. End of last year, yeah. Your mother, how's she doing? She's okay. She's uh, in her 91 at the moment, still living at home. We have a lot of things in common. My mother's 93 years old. Your birthday's October 8th. Yes. Mine's October 6th. We're both Libras. Yeah. What what, what Chinese character are you? Tiger. Yeah, you missed missed it. Yeah, seniors. There have to be 12 years gap between each other. What's yours? I'm a dragon. Ah, yes. But still, so you're close. You're, you're a tiger. It's tiger, the close thing whatever. Yeah, we both have claws. So <laughs> one's mythical and one's real. <laughs> Don't breathe too much. <laughs> That's right. So growing up in England, what was it like for you? I always wanted to get away. Um, I, I like England. Um, it's a beautiful place. We lived in a nice country area, but I always thought there was more to life than England. What age, what age did you start feeling this way? I guess the first time is we went on overseas holiday when I was nine. We okay. drove down through France to Spain, spent a couple of weeks in Spain, drove back again. Um, and while I was in Spain, we met my cousin who was at the university doing languages. And she mm-hmm. and I went shopping to the shop and she was babbling away in Spanish. And I thought, wow, this is so cool. I want to do this. Really? I want to. So I started learning languages from 11. What languages did you start learning? French at school and then Spanish at school and Spanish at university. So you speak both now? Uh, yeah, reasonably. Okay. It's rusty. Right. Um, How's your Japanese? Japanese is okay. Yeah, okay. I do business in Japanese. Okay. I, I came here and did a, the executive training program, which was yes. sponsored by the European Union. So a year full-time language, mm-hmm. six months as an intern. Okay. Uh, my, my business is insurance, so I spent 
six months with two insurance companies. So you were, insurance when you were with Corn, you were doing insurance then? Yeah, I was running the insurance division. Mm -hmm. That's why he would always get the information through you guys of the cars that were coming available. Yeah, from yeah. Robin. That's right. He's <laughs> now in Portugal, I think. That's right, that's right, that's right. But yeah. his son is still here. I think his son's here. His son, we, son's in London. It was his daughter, I don't know, his son's in England, right? Yeah, his, I think they're both in England. Um, Are they? Okay. They were both in insurance as well. Is that right? Yeah, I think she's now um, married with children. She is, she is. To an insurance guy. Right. And uh, <laughs> uh, Will, Will, the son, is uh -huh. working for, last I know, Aeon in London, uh -huh. uh, insurance broking. So, anyway, so you got your, family. you got your, your first dose of someone speaking a different language who's related to you, and then you decided, yeah. okay, I can't stay in this place. So, what would you, what were your well, plans for getting it, out? Yeah, it was, it was a combination of things. Um, I, I guess the, um, my childhood was also kind of my my parents broke up when I was early teenager, so it was. Okay. Couple of unhappy years, I guess, from, from that point of view. Because you, you really they kept it um, away from you, so you didn't know it was happening. We didn't know until it was almost. Okay, that's happening. what I'm saying. Yeah. I was 14, I think, at the time. So, so your image of what you thought was taking place wasn't, and then all of a sudden they're leaving each other. Yeah, so yeah. you get that kind of everything you believed in is kind yeah. of shattered, um, mm -hmm. and, and you have to readjust. And one of the ways of readjusting was getting into study and then going to London and enjoying myself as a student in London. Is that what you did? Hmm? What studies did you, what did you like? I did uh, languages, okay. modern languages, so Spanish and a little Portuguese as well. Yeah. So I was in tech languages and I saw it as a, I guess, a passport to working overseas at some mm. stage. And then I looked for, for jobs that were international companies, international division. I joined a, what was called Royal Insurance at the time, British, large British insurance company. It was a, at that stage, a large international company. Mm. Shrunk since then, but um, worked for them for five years in London, and then got got to the Bahamas. Okay. So, what was your position there? I mean, was it just on commission? Um, no, we were the the underwriting company, so right. we were taking the risk. Okay. Um, and we worked with agents who were doing taking commission. At Corns was I was a broker, so okay. I was getting a commission we getting basis. commission basis in terms of. So what was your job? What did you do before that when you as an underwriter? So I was not really an underwriter. I was more, um, although my first job was technical manager um, in the Bahamas. Mm -hmm. After that, it was more sales. I've been more on the sales side. Okay. So business development, right. um, team management, mm -hmm. motivating, mm -hmm. team, cross-cultural teams. Nice. I know it's close to your heart. Right, um, right, it is. And it's been great. You know, the, so for me, the... the the exciting part of my work is not not necessarily the technical side; it's the the people side. Right. So when you went to the Bahamas, what was your what was your first feeling about that? You go to the Bahamas; you'd never been there before. I'd been actually. Um, it's funny. Um, I went to see my stepsister. In, and how old were you, first of all? I at that time, 27, 26, okay. 27. Okay. Um, <laughs> you can imagine. Um, <laughs> I visited my sister who'd been living in Florida. We took a cruise, one of those one-day cruises that right, goes right, to Freeport right. and back. And okay. I, I said to her on the way back, one day I want to come and work here, or <laughs> live here. Really? And two years Just later, I was like, yeah. it, was, it was kind of and you see the power of the mind, I guess. Five years? 
No, just two years. Two years, two years. But it was great. Uh, people were fantastic. Um, yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, I came out of London um, during the riots in London. That was in the late 80s. Really, right. So Brixton burning and all those things. Right, that, right, right, uh, right, right. And I went to a country that was a black country and I was a minority, which was did they, did interesting they experience. Did you then? No, I just felt welcome. Um, really? It was the whole great. time? Because they, they had their own... There was some... Um, there was, had to be something. Drug-related crime at the time. Okay. In, you know, the early 90s, late 80s. Um, I didn't affect me. I didn't see it. Some of my friends did. You know, I had friends who were at knife point in, in their own apartment, which was a bit scary, but I never had that. Mm -hmm. um, the people I worked with um, were really great people. Actually, the first first week I was there, my, my boss's secretary invited me to her daughter's sixth birthday party. And she invited everybody, and I thought everybody would go, but my boss didn't go, and, and the other... British guy who was in the office didn't go, but I went there and I drove through this all-black neighborhood, yeah. wondering what is the right decision. Be okay. <laughs> um, and it was fantastic, you know. The time yeah. that I went was changed the mindset about me. I think. Did you know, that, um, How did it change you? In what way? Because prior, wait. First of all, what was your mindset prior to there that you realized once you got there? Once I got there, I was a little bit scared. Okay. That was your mindset. And I thought, okay. did I make the right decision? Was I expected to be here? And, um, you know, Sandra, who was the, the secretary, was kind of looked shocked. <laughs> and she said, oh, come in, come in, come in. And everyone was drinking out of paper cups, and they gave me a, a little crystal glass. And, <laughs> and he said, oh, oh. one guy said, why does he get the glass? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh. <laughs> but it was great. You know, I mean, it, it was the, the best thing to do. Yeah. What I learned, I guess, is that everyone is the same underneath. Right? People are people. Um, if you treat people well, they treat you well. Um, if you respect people, they respect you. Um, a lot of, as we were talking about earlier, a lot of prejudice just comes out of fear or right. fear of the unknown. You That's don't know, right. and therefore right. you, you read or you hear stories and you get scared, but actually open up, trust people, and they tend to do the same to you That's 99 right. times out of 100. Right. It helped me, I think, um, just in trying to change my mindset in terms of not thinking I'm always, you know, what, what happens in Britain is always right. Um, in fact, it probably made me more critical oh, because it started oh, to oh. say, you know, here's a, here's a community where I can be part of, actually, when I left, most of my friends were black Bahamians. Um, I didn't get on as well with the white community because there are a lot of old colonial guys. There's just kept a been. smaller group, yes. Um, and it was just fun. I had a great time, made some really good friends, some of whom I'm still in contact with now. Um, this is what, 40 years on, almost mm. 35 years on. Um, and it helped me, I think, when I came here because then... Because you left there and then different. you came here. I came directly from Bahamas to Tokyo. How did that happen? Did you put in for that? <laughs> did you put in for that? Did you say, okay, now I want to try something uh, different? Uh, my uh, HR department in the company told me about this opportunity. They were looking for somebody who'd done a few years junior management role who might be interested in working in Japan, but 
the manager who'd been in Japan, who had been a language graduate, found it really tough to just try to learn Japanese by two hours a week, mm -hmm. as, as a lot of people do. Um, and then the European training program was up and running and becoming successful at that stage. Mm -hmm. um, and he wanted someone to go on that. So I was asked if I would apply. And I thought, probably not the right thing to say no. <laughs> right, right, right. Although I'm having fun in the Bahamas and could stay here the rest of my life, right, it was right. probably it was exciting. I'd always been interested in Asia. I'd actually thought about studying Chinese at university, mm -hmm. um, but ended up in doing Spanish mm -hmm. in London. Um, so it was a chance to come to Asia. Um, and you came here at the age of 29, right? Yeah, I was 29 when I arrived. Okay, yeah. Um, and uh, <laughs> and you were right in the middle of the Shubris there. The school was in Dogenzaka. Dogenzaka, so, yes. Yeah. Right on the street, but it's yeah. right in the middle of the yeah. street. So you can imagine, right? I used to drive along the Caribbean <laughs> coast. You're 109 right there. <laughs> and then it was like suddenly right. I'm packed subway. Right in the one day I missed Shibuya and went too far to kids who being came back on the train. And it's like, Taller than me. But the I nice leave, thing is, you why had did the I leave Nassau? But you had the height. That's one thing. So you had to feel good about yeah, that. Yeah, at that stage. But now right. everyone's, no, now it's, now everyone's height, as tall really. as us. Isn't that something? Mm. We came here at a Amazing. good time. Mm. <laughs> I really, it gave you a, it gave you a different type of complex. You just really felt like, look, <laughs> I can do this. <laughs> I remember one of the German guys who was on the executive training program, who was probably about five five. He he gave a speech once. He said, "I came to Japan so I could look my business partner in the eye." <laughs> <laughs> so all the other Germans are like, dollars, so be sure, yeah. be sure." Yeah. Mm. But it's changed. I mean, all the young guys are here, six foot tall at least. Aren't they? Mm. You, see, you could really, I notice the most when I'm on the train. Because I remember being able to have a clear sight all the way down the train. It was hard yes. to see one or two people that were maybe your height. Mm. Now, you can't see past the person next to you. Mm. It's really different. It, it really has. So what was it like for you when you first came here? I mean, you had that culture shock from <laughs> the Bahamas and all the sunshine and yeah, I I found it tough for the first, uh, probably, it was fun in, it was good and bad, I'd say. I was with a group of 30 Europeans who were going through the same process of trying to adjust to Japan, trying to learn the language, which probably is one of the most did you, difficult Did you only languages. had to do that, or did you have to work at the same time? No, it was full-time. Full-time study. So we did for... six hours a day plus two hours homework. And, and you had to come back, push, push, if you push. didn't make it. Uh, you well, we all went through the program. I think nobody dropped off, but we okay. got different grades at the end. Right, but, right. Um, and then it, it was uh, we got through the first year of language, and I thought, okay, now I speak Japanese. And then I my first day at the as an intern in an insurance company, I didn't understand a thing because <laughs> they use of different, course, different right. business right. language, right? right? So it was like. <laughs> So it was quite tiring. It was probably harder work than working to learn the language. Did that for a year? In the country. Yes. It is every day. Uh, you uh, get said Monday to Friday. Monday to Friday. Friday, right. But then you, they would, we had to learn like six, seven kanji a day okay. for the year. So it was like. Did you have to write it? You had to read it and write it right. and read it. Yeah. Henry had a test as well. Do you still, did you keep up with it so that you can read the paper now? I mean, no, not really. Um, I, I can, I'm comfortable in terms of emails I see in Japanese that are in my, you know, talking about insurance because that's my 
in my industry, mm -hmm. but if you switch to medical or, or of course, of politics course. or something, yeah. then you know. But you know, so that's not unique to in England, in England too. Just about being perfect. Right, of course, of course. Being I able just, to right. connect. Right. I think one thing is not showing fear. Are you close shutting yourself down when they get people get a glaze over their eyes when you know they can't <laughs> you know what you're saying? Or just say, I don't understand. Right. right. But you're still engaged. Mm -hmm. And they'll appreciate that. Um, I was working with the same insurance company, so they transferred me to the program um, after I finished the language program. Mm -hmm. I worked for them in Japan, that was Royal Insurance, mm -hmm. back in the day. Um, and I was here for another three and a half years. And then after five years in Tofu, um, they asked me to go to Hong Kong. So I went to Hong Kong. And Hong Kong, that was 96, so it was the just before the handover to, to China. Mm -hmm. And I actually thought, oh, Hong Kong should be easy because it's English language, it's British still, colony, um, although it's coming to the end of that. should be easy to settle. I've been there on holiday, you know, for a weekend trip and enjoyed it. I moved to Hong Kong and I found it really tough. How so? Just, you get spoiled in Japan in a way that you don't anywhere else. The service levels, the, the things you take for granted here, um, particularly service, I would say. Yes, uh, just to, I moved into my apartment in Hong Kong, uh, no lights. <laughs> so, oh, you're going to buy your own light, fix, fix them yourself. But in Hong Kong, they don't have a tipping system, do they? They don't tip. No. You don't tip, but you get what you get. You get a, <laughs> maybe a roundup, you know, okay, a dollar so. or something. Okay. But not like the US. Okay. And just aggressive culture compared with Japan. I've been there many times. Mm. And I went to China, mainland China. But I made some good friends. Mm. I still have, have good friends there. But mm. overall, I found it the first few months uh, more challenging than I had thought it would be because I just think, oh, it's going to be very easy. Mm. It's also very small. So it's very small, very condensed, very noisy, in your face kind of place, which sometimes is good, and sometimes you just want to switch up. And from there, I went to Taiwan after how two, long, years, two years. Two years in Hong Kong. Okay, and then, you and then I went to run the operation in Taiwan. Okay. It was five years. Loved Taiwan. Did you? Really nice people. What was, what was it about Taiwan? It's it's kind of. I mean, it's it's a very much a Chinese culture, but it's very influenced by Japan. So it's kind of halfway. I found between Chinese and Japanese in terms of mindset. Okay. Um, but very. Very friendly people, great food, um, and space, for it, which you don't get in Hong Kong. So mm -hmm. you can drive 20 minutes, you're out of, you're up in the mountains, you're in a hot spring, just like Japan. Mm -hmm. You can go half an hour, you're on the beach somewhere. So it was challenging from a business point of view. And, um, I guess language, firstly, because I wasn't, you know, I was conversant, like, although I started to learn Mandarin, I wasn't nearly as competent as I have been in Japanese, and a lot of the dialogue was still in Chinese, so um, that was challenging. I think there was parts of our portfolio, there was some underhand dealing, should, should oh, I say. Okay. Um, so how did you handle that? Because so it was did, challenging. Did it fall on you then? Um, yeah, I had to clean it up, which, which I did. Um, we had to say goodbye to some of our business partners. Okay. Um, 
and turned it around. But then we had earthquake in 99, which was big. Power went out in Taipei, so mm. that was a scary moment. Then we had a couple. Where were you when it happened? It was, I was in my apartment. It okay. was like three o'clock in the morning, but um, I got up. I couldn't stand up. I had to it was get down, down on, the, on, the, on the floor yeah. and basically pray, which I don't normally do. <laughs> it was that bad. Um, yeah, and the power went out, mm-hmm. um, phones went out, and I've never seen a city so black as the first mm-hmm. few weeks after that. You go out at night, it was pretty much me. Just before the, the September full moon, the harvest moon, mm-hmm. and the moon came out two days later and you could just think, well, nature can be so... That's right, you could walk around in Brutal or beautiful, depending on... on where you are. No traffic lights working, and actually the traffic worked better. <laughs> Did it really? Because <laughs> people weren't trying to run lights. Right, right. And being a little bit more gracious. But it was it was a good... It was challenging, but it was good in terms of people learning about people, working with people, you know, trying to pick up the pieces. And then we had a big typhoon after that. Couple of years later, where I don't know if you remember, but the typhoon stuff on Taipei and the, the brand new subway system got flooded out. Right. All the buildings had been designed with the, the electrics in the basement, so okay. dark again. <laughs> Taipei was a mess. Um, so I had to walk up 13 floors to the office in, in summertime, which was. <laughs> You used to five years. Yes, but then we, the company globally had financial issues and we had to pull it out of Asia, so I had to actually shut it down, which was um, the sad part of being in Taiwan, was to close down the business and let, that, let people go. But I mean, you, they, they gave you a good severance, I'm sure. Yeah, they oh, paid yeah. me, okay. incentivized me to stay. Okay. Yeah. stay, okay. And then, would you and then when I, I left there, I left the company because there was a of offer to go back to the UK but nothing concrete um, and it wasn't really my intention either. I met my partner who is Japanese okay. just a year before um, and so... But how old were you at this time uh, now? Hmm? How old were you now? Are I you... was 40. 40. Like, what am I now? No, not now. I know what you are now. We're just 10 years apart. But I just... <laughs> no, at the time when you met your partner. Uh, 39. Okay, I thought you were in your 30s. Yeah, okay. 39. Just 20 years. 20 years. Did yeah, I'll be 21 this year. Yeah, so we just started dating. He worked for an airline. Okay. United, so that was problematic with because um, 9 11 happened at the same time. So we were closing down my business. 9 11 happened. Airlines were in chaos. Um, so we decided it would be better for, because I spoke Japanese, he was based in Japan. That at least he could get a job quickly in Japan, and I would probably get a better chance of getting a job there than Taiwan or anywhere else. Um, so I talked to a headhunter in Taipei, a friend of mine, and they actually offered me a job. So I did a year as a headhunter. Executive <laughs> search. No, I can't wait, wait. I can't see you. Wait, wait. <laughs> what, what field? What area? Uh, in insurance and finance. Okay. Mm. Did you do well? I did okay. I only did one year. Okay, one year. Um, the, the, I did it because it got me a visa. Okay. Um, and it got me, the, the thing I liked about it was the ability to network. So I was knocking on doors, or, you know, you've got to be persistent and 
came in the ass in, in many ways to to get through the door. But um, it was a good way to to reconnect with the finance community. Um, and one of the companies I I went to see was a direct marketing insurance company, and they happened to be looking for their country manager. So Suji was so I said, pitched why I could find them the right person, and then a week later they called me and said, "How about you?" <laughs> Why did, don't you come to us? But you, well, so why would they do that unless they knew your background? You told them. Why you know my background because I, I told them this is my experience and that's why oh, I think oh, I can oh, find oh, you oh, the oh, right oh. person gotcha, because I gotcha. know what you're looking for. I've done gotcha. direct marketing right. in Taiwan. I've right. done some in Hong Kong. Right. Um, and the, the CEO who I'd met the week before, who was still in Japan, who's Australian, called me up and said, "Are you interested to be in this position?" You said, "Yep, <laughs> <laughs> let's talk." <laughs> So I did that. Um, I did that for a couple of years, um, and then I reconnected with Robin Maynard, who you yes, know. I know very well. Of course, both of us here too. He and I had worked together when I was first here, when I was running the um, insurance division for brokers, and he was a client we'd not done any business with. He'd moved from Cedric to Corns, mm-hmm. set up the insurance side, and he said, "I." Would you be interested to work for me and take over from me when I retire? So, oh, that's, small world, right? oh, that's how you took that's over. That's how I knew. That's yeah, that's how you knew when you took over when you did. We overlapped for two or three years and then he retired. And you took over. And we brought another guy from who'd worked with him previously back from Australia, Simon. Oh, so that's right. Simon ended up being Simon ended was, up taking over. That's from right. Me. You're, you're right. Small world. Wow, right? isn't it? <laughs> Where did we go? So you you end up working for Robert. You end up taking over the position for for Corns. Yeah, and then did you like that? Did you did you ever did you you ever get yourself a roles or anything in Corns area? Have you driven all of them? I'm I sure. drove um, my company car was Maserati. Is that right? Did you like a nice it? car? Quattroporte. Was it? Yeah. Well, the, the Maseratis are known for the interior. Mm. The interiors are beautiful, but the Better than that. Better than that. I know. They were owned by Fiat. No, they were worse than Jaguars. Jaguars. Ferrari engine. I know, I know, I know. But Ferrari didn't give them their best. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't, they didn't. They They weren't going to make a debut with them. They couldn't. Not always reliable, but they were a pleasure to drive. I know. The sound. And now they have that auto Driving inside a Prada bag. Yeah, right, right. That's (laughs) what you, that's right. The stitching was beautiful. Yeah, I had the sport. Sport version of the Maserati. And you did, you had the convertible, didn't you? No, it wasn't convertible, but it had the sports decor, if you'd like. Very beautiful. So then from there, when you left? But I was driving it during the earthquake here, and that was, I felt guilty because you remember right after the earthquake, you could only get 2,000 yen of petrol a day when you went to the garage for the first couple of weeks because of the shortage of fuel. So I had to go every day and bring it back again. The car was completely empty after after I got back right. from the earthquake. So yeah, um, so um, I worked there five years, um, and then um, I got an offer to join uh, AIG, American company. Working for who? Kinnett? Don Kinnett? No, no, no. no. Um, it would have been um, Bob Nodding. Bob Nodding. Okay. Yeah. You mean the building right above Boeing? Or below Boeing. I think Boeing was up on the top. But there's I, AIG building. There's AIG in Camiacho. Yeah, that's right. But I was actually in um, Maranochi. Oh, Maranochi, okay. Maranochi Trust Tower on the other side, on okay. the ICC side. Okay. Um, running corporate sales. So, um, 
You had all these citations, my goodness. So how long did you do that? Five years. Five years. And then? And then now I work for Swiss Re. I'm, I'm the head of the Swiss Re, Swiss Re Insurance Group, mm -hmm. the big Swiss, largest, one of the two largest reinsurance groups in, okay. in the world. Okay. Um, but I work for their direct-to-client subsidiary, which is called Corporate Solutions. So what do you do? So we're selling corporate solution insurance okay. to corporate clients. Yeah. And how's that going? Very well, growing okay. quickly. Uh, we do a lot of um, earthquake and natural catastrophe type specialist covers, yeah. which a lot of companies don't like to do. But yeah. it's, so it's a on. kind of unique um, value proposition. So it's, mm -hmm. it's good for us, as long as we don't have a big earthquake. It's pretty good, but um, no, it, it's exciting. People are very good, very smart. Um, we're building the brand. It's taken a while. We've only been here ten years as a as a direct insurance company. So the last five years was really about getting our market presence known a little bit better. Um, it's exciting. Small team, 30, 33 people. You're the head of it. We have a reinsurance division, which is run by somebody else, and we have the Corporate Solutions direct to client. How many years have you been doing? Five and end of this month. Five years. Yeah. How long do you think you'll continue to be with them? Um, as long as they want me. Okay, that's a good thing to say. Our retirement age is sixty-five, so oh, is it? I've got another five years if okay. I wanted. But uh, yeah, so far so good. Okay. Good company. Mm -hmm. Good people. Um, been a bit challenging, obviously, through COVID because. You know, in many ways, we were we were already before COVID. We were encouraging work from home, so everybody has their laptop, which plugs into a screen. Yes. Why are we doing so, that? Because we were trying to encourage um, more work-life balance, so it was easier for people with kids or with gotcha, gotcha. aging parents that you know if they needed to take time off, they didn't have to take holiday, they could actually just base themselves at home, do whatever they needed to do, and then work flexibly, right? So um, the group has been like that, encouraging that for several years, and it was harder to get it to happen in Japan because people are used to coming to the office. happened now. <laughs> well, it happened, I would say, probably three years, two years before um, COVID kicked in, we started... Pushing it, I, I started with taking one day a week working from home because if I didn't do it, no one else would do it. And then gradually oh. it would trickle down. And then I got to the stage where I was most weeks doing two weeks at home, two two days at home a week. And then all of my managers were starting to do one or two days, and then other people started to do it. And then COVID happened, so we were actually in a really well prepared to work yeah, remotely yeah. it just happened to work just right at a time where a lot of our the challenge for us was our customers couldn't work remotely because mm -hmm. a lot of the agents bank agents and others were mm -hmm. had to be in the office and therefore you know they were restricted in number of people who could go in and we had to try and connect in different ways because physical connection was difficult so we do a lot of uh, seminars and online training and um, websites regenerated website to get information out mm -hmm. and that's worked it's, mm -hmm. it's, we've come through it quite well it's continued to grow continued to stay profitable that's good. Paul how would you like to end this podcast how would any, I like to any end words it? of 
wisdom, you like the glass of champagne thing? Huh? Glass of champagne. Okay, so that would, that would work. <laughs> bing, bing. I have um, a podcast like that. No, I mean, firstly, I'd like to thank you. Um, I know you're doing a lot of these. Was it close to 200? Year 120, year 127. 127. Yes. Ambition to do 200. I want to, I want to do 4,000. 4,000. <laughs> I do. I mean, I figure it'd keep me going for a while. That's all the members. Yeah. That would be. Yeah. Well, actually, we're up to 6,000 members. I was told by the general manager who was on the podcast a couple back. You know, I think it's. I think it's. Um, it's a great opportunity because you know we we tend to gravitate towards the people we know in the club, and so if we see people we know, we say hello, we go chat to them. But there's a lot of people who don't know me. Some people they, they may, know may not know you anymore they because you, you're not in that role that That's you were right. in ten years right. ago. Um, and I think it's, you know, just to show the human side of who we are and that, you know, we're not just there for the business, we're there for the networking, the people, staff, um, employees of Tokyo American Club, really nice people. Every time you go there, you feel like it's home. So, um, yeah, I mean, Tokyo has become home for me and, and a big part of that has been my life not in the club because I don't I'm not there all the time but you know having it available going there to work out going there to have lunch or dinner it's a comfortable place for everybody to be so. you like to see it's a home away from yeah yeah in many ways yeah, and I think particularly for those with children and mm-hmm. families and it's almost a lifeline for many people so but uh, we've known each other now, I don't know, 20 years almost. Easily. Yeah. Easily. When I saw you walking around my neighborhood, I said, oh, come on, I want you on my podcast. She said, okay. I said, what? Yeah, so we've we been talking talk about this for almost two we, years. We sure right? have. We, have. we, we just keep on listening to each other, yeah. Push yeah, you did it. Every time we do it. Yeah, every time you. we schedule it, there was another yeah, wave. That's right, that's right. And then you came in. I was in this morning. I have to be honest. I was a little worried because I didn't let you know. Sometimes, if I think the person might have forgot, but the way you wrote me the last time, I said, "He's gonna be. He's gonna be." And sure enough, there you go. Bingo. Paul, thank you so much. Thank you very much. Nice to see you again, Lance. Same here. Thank you for watching this podcast. Never forget, it's all on loan. Continue to reach for the stars, and you're too blessed to be stressed.